Hello and welcome everybody back to Eyes on the Mize. My name is John. That's Ian. Hey, John. Hey. There's a pre-release that happened this weekend, wasn't there? Yes. That's right, because uh, today is September 28th, and this is episode 31, releasing the Gremlins on Kaladesh, because the release date is Friday. Yes. <laughs> Look, these titles can't all be winners. Anyways. Uh, hey, man. Hey. You, you, like you said, they're fine. They're fine. They can't all be winners. Uh, but oh, the big hype is that Kaladesh is coming out on Friday, and it's and after the pre-release, I'm very excited. I'm definitely going to try and get draft in this weekend. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm actually going down to a PPTQ on Saturday, so Ooh. crossing fingers. Is that so? Is that is that actually Kaladesh? Yes, like Kaladesh draft. Limited. Ooh. Remember, for, for your have... limited PPTQs, uh, first is sealed, top eight is draft. Yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, before we talk all about our amazing times at the pre-releases, uh, we're going <laughs> to turn our eyes to the community real quick. I already mentioned Kaladesh launches on Friday, so I better see you all at your local game stores. That would be creepy, dude. How I have this? eyes you go? everywhere. Um, the other big thing that happened on Monday is they did a bunch of updates to the tournament rules. For Magic the Gathering, as well as the banner restricted announcements came out on Monday. So the next time we're going to get a BNR announcement is going to be when Aether Revolt comes out in January. Uh, we'll talk about the BNR update first. Uh, nothing changed. Yeah, that it, it sounds kind of like, yeah, nothing changed. Cool, whatever. But that's fine for mom. Uh, people were kind of thinking maybe this was when they were going to get rid of Goryeo's Vengeance, but that deck hasn't been around lately. Uh, obviously nothing for standard Le- legacy there was a potential people were saying like we should maybe get something away from miracles whether it was top or counterbalance but nothing happened there and nothing restricted in vintage but the thing that everyone's like wait what with this ban restricted announcement is pauper because the scourge of the format right now and i sent john a picture of this earlier someone tweeted out uh, a image of the pauper league results from yesterday the 27th and it was these are the 5 and 0 decks that were posted on magic online or magic mothership that they pull and post the uh deck list for 5 and 0 5 and 0 decks we had affinity drake tron is it drake is it drake is it drake is it drake and is it drake i don't know is it drake it's blue red drake <laughs> um, for those of you who don't know what we mean by Drake, that uh, that refers to Paragon Drake, which is four and a blue for a two-three flyer that when it enters the battlefield, you untap five lands you control. And Ian, I know you have experience with this, but you know untapping your Tron lands that tap for multiple mana probably feels pretty good with a Paragon Drake. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. So basically, especially with something like the Tron lands, like John mentioned, um, in that Drake Tron list, what it does is. You'll tap, if you have uh, Tron out, so you have like the three lands, you basically generate seven mana off of five lands, or three lands getting tapped. You tap, over tap five lands and pay your one color. Usually in those decks, you'll probably pay with a prophetic prism or something like that to filter your color. And you just untap everything and then tap it all again, generate a bunch of more mana, and you can use something like a Rolling Thunder and hit for like 16 or 17 damage just off of untapping five lands. Yeah, so people are a little surprised that Drake was not, not banned. Not only that, that's that's only Drake. That's only Tron lands too. Like these is other is it Drake lists aren't playing Tron lands. They're just like extracting max value out of being able to go. Okay, I put a five minute. I put this down, untap, play something like another Mold Drifter, and then go. Yeah, and it's, it's like, really silly. oh, um, it's overpowering the format. People were really expecting it to go now. Um, some people have done articles about 
why I, I haven't got a chance to read it yet, but I know uh, some of the main people who write about Pauper and stuff like that, Alex Ullman, he actually made, there was an article, the title was about like, uh, I guess tardiness or something like that. I guess maybe they didn't have enough results yet, even though it's been out enough that it shows that it's warped. I, without a doubt, it's probably gonna get banned next time. I mean, uh, the biggest surprise was, of course, when it came out in Eternal Masters, that they had just banned Cloud of Fairies, which is one in the blue, one one flyer that untaps two lands for it being a combo card, when Drake is also just doing absurd things in a similar vein. And I think people are just kind of yeah, like... And they don't, yeah, it was the old uh, Esper Familiar decks for those, um, which abused the uh, Sunscape and Nightscape Familiars. But the, they don't even use, worry about that deck. Like, that deck is completely fallen by the wayside because is it Drake? You Blue-red blue Drake is just so much better of a deck. It's insane. Um, the fact that there was no ban, people were like... I know I personally haven't played a lot of Pauper lately, mainly because of the prevalence of Drake. Like, you either have to play it or play to beat it. You, you can't go in blind and still play Affinity, obviously. Like, Affinity still went 5-0. Um, but it's definitely a strain on the format. I know that there were, some, there were some streamers who stream Magic who were thinking about playing Pauper, but the Drake not being banned kind of turned them off to streaming Pauper. But yeah. It's, it's a shame. We'll, we'll see what happens. Obviously, if it goes another band cycle, people are going to be like, all right, you're just really jerking us around with this one <laughs> at this point because it's a card that a lesser powered version of it got banned already. Yeah. And so. as Ian mentioned as well, we have no changes. So that's great for modern, great for legacy, great for vintage. And there's not going to be a standard ban except for the fact that there's the joke of they finally banned Collected Company. <laughs> They put it where it belongs in modern. Exactly. The other thing that happened, as I mentioned, was that they updated some of the tournament rules because they like to go in and make sure that the how you would run a tournament from the judge's perspective or a tournament organizer's perspective works well. And one thing that they just, that they made an announcement of and made a point of noting is that you can now only pile shuffle once per randomization of your deck only to count the number of cards in your deck, which is what most people do when they pile shuffle. You know, you make eight piles or seven piles or whatever it is to make sure you have 40 to 60 cards, depending on which format you're playing. Yes, you make like eight piles. You'll basically get seven cards all the way around and then four on the top. Um, Or you'll get unlimited. It'll be eight piles of four. or No, eight piles of five. Or you can do six piles of ten. Basically, this also... John, you're, you're... the math guy. Yes. Is pile shuffle randomization? No. What are some of the baseline stats we need to get randomization in a deck? Um, that basically you need to be able to go through enough iterations of mixing the cards up that the card has the same probability of ending anywhere else in the deck as it would be anywhere else. Yeah. So in a 60 card deck, you need to make sure that when I shuffle this deck, that that card would has a equal chance of being anywhere else. All pile shuffling does is move the cards some number up or down based on the number of piles you make. And this, unfortunately, has led to people doing mana weaving, which basically you can go like card, card, land, spell, spell, land, spell, spell, land, land, spell, land, spell, kind of thing like that. Like if you're one of the people who takes your deck and separates it into lands and spells and then goes land, spell, spell, land, spell, spell, land, spell, spell, you are literally just stacking your deck. And now you can shuffle afterwards. But then why did you do that in the first place? Yeah, it, the whole point of the deck randomization, and you actually have to, like, even just doing mass shuffling, like, someone did the numbers on it, like, you'd have to do, like, thousands of mass shufflings to get a legit randomization, but it's enough for a tournament where, like, 8 to 10 mass shuffles 
make do. Like, um, people love even, the even, even riffle shuffling, like, you know, kind of like a poker deck shuffling. Uh, some people I know don't like doing it with their older cards because there's always a chance that something slips, bends, ruins a card, whatever, fine. But riffle shuffling will actually get you there a lot quicker. Yeah, like for 52 decks, for a 52, 52 deck, sorry, for a playing card deck of 52 cards, it's there you about go. seven shuffle to fully randomize the deck. Yeah, so, so for that number goes card, up a little bit. For 60. Yeah, for a 60 card deck, it's about eight to 10 actual riffle shuffles, but the mass shuffles being about 10 is fine. Um, people have actually been caught for this. This is what led to BBD actually getting into worlds. Yes, that was because so. somebody couldn't couldn't shuffle normally. But regardless, um, don't pile shuffle more than once. It's not shuffling your deck, and you might as well just go ahead and stop pile shuffling altogether because it's it's not doing you any favors. You can like the only time to do it is if you have a potential thought in your head of did I de sideboard properly? Now here's what you should do: pull out your freaking sideboard and count fifteen cards. That's what I do. That's exactly what I do too. Like, like, oh, let me count and see if I have 60 cards. Like, I would rather just count 15 cards and save some time. Plus, that's another, that's like actually the main reason why people were so happy that this happened is because some people would pile shuffle three times and it takes forever. People are saying like this, people are saying this didn't go far enough. They should say it should be once per round. Like, or I think the most reasonable one is once per game. Because technically, as the rule sits, you could pile shuffle in between like cracking a fetch land in modern or. You know, doing a search for something else in, in standard. Well, like, a But here's the thing. If, if they do something like that, though, then you just instantly call a judge and get them for slow. Like, get at least be like, look, can you like tell them not to pile shuffle every time they randomize their deck? It's like, oh, the rule says, like, yeah, but you're wasting time. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that the judge's discretion is going to be like, look, I know what it says, but you're taking forever. Yeah. They, there's there's what the rules say, and then there's straight common sense. So. Yeah. Um, now... Do you want to do the pack one pick one now, or do you want to do it afterwards? We could do it now. Let's do it now, because Ian was so kind and saved one of his prize packs for for us. Unlike me, because I'm I'm really greedy and opened all my prize packs at once. Yeah, I was just like, I need to save this for for the podcast. So here we go. We're gonna open this up. It's got Sahili on the front. So. Oh man. <sighs> smells delicious. So jelly. All right, so we got a Thopter token nice. and a Plains. Excellent. All right, let's let's look at the real cards now. <laughs> All right, so we have an acrobatic maneuver, which is two and a white instant exile target creature you control. Then return that card to the battlefield under its owner's control. Draw a card. I have never seen. I did not see this card played or in any of my matches during any of my pre-releases. Nope. Uh, nimble innovator, three and a blue for a two-two. When nimble innovator enters the battlefield, draw a card. This card is perfectly fine. Yeah, it's not terrible. Uh, hijack. One red red sorcery. Gain control of target artifact or creature until end of turn. Untap it. It gains haste until end of turn. So this is your like act of treason effect. I'll get into this a little bit later, but I had these in, in multiples in both of my sealed pools where I ran red, and I never ran it. Yeah, uh, I got it hijacked a couple times in my pre-release with some of my creatures. Feels bad, man. Uh, I believe you. So we got Sky Swirl Harrier, four and a white for a three-four flying bird. That's all it is. It's fine beater, I suppose. Yeah, uh, maybe like four, maybe three in a white, but nah. Yeah. Give it a think. Uh, we have Night Market Lookout. That's black, one black, so it's just one mana. Uh, one mana, one, one, human rogue. Whenever Night Market Lookout becomes tapped, each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. Not a bad guy if you're in the blue-black uh, 
artifact deck if you have some vehicles that need crew of one. I think this guy is just a really bad Thornbow Archer. Um, yes. Like, 1-1s one are easily hated against in this format because there's a bunch of servos chilling around. So this guy's not going to be tapping very often unless you have, like, vehicles. Oh, yeah, and there's also Make Obsolete, which is the two in a black instant, mind you. If creatures your opponent control get one, minus one, minus one, trying to turn. We'll talk about, I'll talk about that one a little bit later. All right. So you've got a Wild Wanderer, three and a green Elf Druid. When Wild Wanderer enters the battlefield, you may search your library for basic land card and put on the battlefield tap. It's a three two. I had some real fun with this card. This card is right up my alley. I had one of the one or two of these in my seal pool, and that was like the only playable green card. <laughs> yeah, so next uh, next we have a fortuitous find, two and a black. Sorcery, choose one or both. Return target artifact card from your graveyard to your hand or and or return target creature card from your graveyard to your hand. Again, I never, I've never seen any one of these cast, but I just imagine that when you do cast it and you get, you know, to get two things back, it's just going to feel amazing. Get some value. Uh, we have Ornamental Courage for green instant. Uh, untapped target creature, it gets plus one, plus three until end of turn. It's fine. It's no vine to the recluse, but... There's there's some better ones out there. Yes. We have what I saw actually saw a decent amount of this weekend. Windrake, two and a blue, two, two, flyer. If you want to know how like how like solid Windrake is, like according to R and D when they're evaluating their they're like I think it's mostly the commons, that Windrake and above in the power level is what they determine as their A's. So <laughs> Windrake's a good card. Yeah, Windrake it's not like something to be like, Oh, I'm gonna slam pick this pack like pick one, but it's a good card. Uh, yeah. next we have Dun Dund Operative. I don't know how to, I probably butchered the heck out of that on apologies it's a one in a black two two as long as you control an artifact dund operative gets plus one plus oh and has death touch uh this card seems really good to me bear like with it's upside a bear at worst yeah it's a bear with upside i mean three two death touch is weird but it's still you know bear with upside well yeah like that is the weird thing where it's like uh, maybe you put some pants on it i don't know if you control an artifact though this i think what it can i mean the death touch thing is kind of weird awkward but if you have, say, a vehicle that needs crew three, there you I mean, go. Look, I'm never cutting this from any of my black decks ever. Let's just get yeah, that out true. of the way. This might be our pack one pick one. All right. Chief of the Foundry. Ooh, so we're at the uncommons it's, now. Yeah, we're in the uncommons now. So, yeah, the operative of our last comments. We're in the uncommons. Chief of the Foundry is a three mana, two, three artifact creature construct. Other artifact creatures you control get plus one, plus one. I'm going to talk about this guy a little bit in my deck, but this, in, this, uh... in this format, he is pretty good like he was already okay in origins and now he's just silly yeah he's straight goofy because he buffs remember he buffs all your vehicles too so. yeah uh we have era of innovation it's a one in a blue enchantment whenever an artifact or artificer enters the battlefield under your control you may pay one if you do get energy energy so two energy counters you can then pay six energy this has a separate ability pay six energy sacrifice era of innovation draw three cards this is like one of the is one of the energy build arounds in blue. Um, I think it's pretty good. I don't know yet. I'm not sure if I want to pick this I, over Chief of the Foundry. It's like how to fix uh, ancestral. <laughs> yeah, let's how to fix, fix ancestral. How to recall. fix how to fix recall. Put it on layaway, I guess. I suppose. Now, I I did have an energy sub theme in my deck, and I was pumping out a bunch of energy over the course of the game. To have this one in my deck might have been fine as an energy output. I'll talk about that too, but I don't know if it would have made my deck necessarily. I think it's better in draft than sealed. I might have it might have made it my deck over one of the other cards in there, but Anyways. we'll get 
Anyway, we have next is Gearshift Ace. This is a one and a white dwarf pilot. It's a two one with first strike. Uh, he also says whenever Gearshift Ace crews a vehicle, that vehicle gains first strike until end of turn. Uh, two power first strikers for two are always pretty good. I don't know if it beats out Chief of the Foundry for me. Uh, I don't think so. It's 2-1, so remember the one toughness is kind of yes. make it a little bit weak. And we are at our rare, so we have no special... Uh, no, no masterpieces? No inventions. No masterpieces, no inventions. Darn. So this is Insidious Will. It's Ooh. two blue-blue instant. Choose one. Counter target spell. You That's one. Two is you may choose new targets for target spell. Or copy target instant or sorcery spell. You may choose new targets for that copy. This card does a lot of things. I don't think it makes it better than Chief of the Foundry. I don't think I would take this either. Well, so here's the thing. Chief of the Foundry just being colorless and going in every deck makes it just easy, easily, just the best card in this pack. Oh, but yeah. But all like, the other cards require some sort of mana requirement. Yeah, either that or, I mean, it's like Chief of the Foundry, I would say Wind Windrake over Wild Wanderer. Um, what would you go for there? Would you go Wild Wanderer over the Drake or what? I I would go Wild Wanderer over the Drake. Um, I don't know how good that is. I think that's basically based off of having listened to the full limited resources set review, which you should do so uh, when you have time, because yeah. the commons and uncommons one is like five hours long. Um, blue did not have a lot of good commons. Yeah. And green did, but blue has a lot of bomb rares, so it's one of those like uh, take it. But I'm just picking. I'm just, I'm just I would look at this pack and be like just make note of what we have here. Remember, we actually only have one red card in this entire pack, which is hijack. Um I'd be like, "Okay, note the colors cool. Chief of the Foundry. Next pack, please." Yeah. And then we're just open to take whatever we get passed to us. Like all the fabricate cards get better for us. Like all the vehicles oh, get yeah. better for us. Stuff that produces stoppers like Whirler Maker even if you wanted to for some reason. I don't I know think why. Whirler Maker's bad. <laughs> it's not great. I think it's just really bad. Anyways. <laughs> it's not amazing. Anyways, let's go ahead and dive into our pre-release experiences. Because Ian got that at a pre-release, and you'll be able to get them at your local game store on Friday. Because I know where I'm going to be going on Friday. I have a case with my name on it. A case, you say? A case, I say. I'm probably nice. going to periscope it, too, so we'll see. We'll see how that goes. I don't know if I'm going to pick up a box or not, but we'll see. Anyways, Ian, go ahead and tell us all about your exciting pre-release. <laughs> exciting is not the word you'd, I'd, I'd put. <laughs> it, it drug on. Let me tell you what. Um, so I ended up – so if you guys were listening uh, last week, uh, we were talking about the Planeswalkers. And John asked the question, which Planeswalker would you want to open at the pre-release? And I was like, well, obviously it's Chandra, but I'll take Nissa and hell, I'll even take, you know – Sahili, whatever. I don't really want to open Dovin because it's going to put me in a control deck, and I don't want to be a control deck at the pre-release. I want to be like mid-ranger aggro, and I ended up in a control deck. <laughs> <laughs> control decks are good and sealed. Dude, the board stalls in this format are ridiculous. It's disgusting. Um, yes, I went I went 3-1-2, and, and the only loss I had was actually because I went to time, we went through all five turns, and it was still... Nobody hit one. So I was like, all right. I was already in a losing board position. And I'm like, I told my opponent, like, look, I'm going to look at the top six cards of my deck. And I'm probably going to scoop to you anyway. But this is going to solidify my decision to scoop to you. I looked at the top six cards and they were all land. I'm like, yeah, I'm definitely scooping to you. He's like, you sure you can just take the time? I'm like, dude, I'm going to scoop to you. Like, just take the win. <laughs> Why? Just because, like, like I said, this to you. 
Well, he had – I had like one creature on the board. I had Dovin Bond and I think a Whirler Maker and he had like four creatures out and he was definitely probably going to kill me in the next like three to four turns. Um, yeah, that's usually what's going to happen there. And no, I, I could see where it was going anyway. Like my like my my deck was just sputtering on, in that game, and even if I had pulled out pulled it out of my rear on that, I would have probably still lost. Um, he, he was just in a better position, and I was like, you know what, you got this. So, um, so but yeah, I went like a Esper Control, uh, mostly blue white. Uh, I splashed black for two tidy conclusions, which is the three black black instant destroy target creature. You gain one life for each artifact you control. I was like, yeah, I was probably blue-white, and I'm looking like, wait a minute, I have two of these kill spells, get in. And I have a, I had a live fast, which is the uh, two and a black. Uh, you draw two, lose two, get two. Draw two cards, lose two life, get two energy. Live fast. Yeah. It helped my deck because my creature base was Aether Theorist, and let me tell you what, that guy does some work. I mean, he's just an energy scryfish. Dude, I, one, all right, one game with him, I scryed six times. That's usually going to win you a game. Oh, I demolished my opponent that game. I think I scryed like four lands at the bottom. Right. When I didn't need it. I, I would also have a thing where I'd scry on end step, bottom it, upkeep, scry, top it, draw it. And I was like, Ugh. Ah, yes. The old scryfish tricks. Yes, so good. Um, I had a couple other cards that produced a lot of energy too, like a high tide hermit. Um, my promo was an electrostatic pummeler, which is the three mana artifact creature 1-1. One, one. When it enters the battlefield, you get three energy. And then you can pay three energy and Electrostatic Pummer gets X plus X plus X until end of turn where X equals its power. So it's one of those, it starts off as a 1-1, one, one, becomes a 2-2, two, two, then becomes a 4-4, four, 8-8, four, eight, eight, so on and so forth. But you can also modify it with effects like the Chief of the Foundry that I had. So then it starts off with 2-2, two, 3-3. Two, three, three. I don't like that card. Yeah, I've, I pl- I've played with it and against it. And there was one time where it was really scary on my opponent's board, but that's because it, he had six energy. Um, and I don't think this card is actually like really good unless you just can make absurd amounts of energy. Here's why. Because one game, I went, pay three energy, make it a 2-2. Two, two. My friend's like, okay. I'm like, pay three energy, make it a 4-4. Four, four. Okay. I'm like, pay three energy, make it an 8-8. Eight, eight. He's like, okay. Combat. Swing. He's like, okay. And I don't forget the name of the card, but it's the one that says return target like creature to opponent's hand. Draw oh, no. It's like for inspection? <laughs> yeah, he selected for inspection. My- oh, no. I paid nine energy into this card and got nothing out of it. That's why you attack first. <laughs> well, he would have waited for me to put the energy into it anyway before he would have done that. That's still true. But I was like, he's got nothing on board. He was tapped out or creature-wise. Like I was like, okay, cool. Swing on in. But uh, no, it was bad. I had a Propeller Pioneer there too. That card, I saw so many people making a servo with it this, that week, this weekend. I more often than not chose to put the counter on it. Uh, Propeller Pioneer, I think that that's, one is the... Oh, the 2-1 the, the flyer for four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 3-and-a-white, yeah. 2-1 flyer, Fabricate 1. And you and you kept putting the counter on it? Yep. Uh, and you're doing that, I'm going to assume, because there's just so many servos chilling around? Flying beak stick. Flying beak stick. Yeah, I'm a control I deck. I needed I needed a way to get over, over the top of my opponent. That's fair. And it actually won me a couple games because of that. Um, I believe it. Yeah, uh, Wisp Weaver Angel, which would help blink my High Tide Hermit to get me like a lot of energy, because I could play High Tide Hermit and then go right into Wisp Weaver Angel, which is the four white white four four flyer. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, you may exile another target creature you control, then return it to the card, return that card to the battlefield under its owner's control. So I just blink it and get eight energy out of it, nice, and then nice. dump it in, dump it into the pummeler or something else. Uh, I had the Pfoul, which actually not a terrible card if you're in a control deck. 
it's the I mean, four mana. I mean, four mana G4 is mediocre at best, but... Stall, stalls the ground out, stops a lot of stuff, and you can jump it in the air to block some flyers. Yeah. I blew out an opponent of mine who forgot about that it could actually get flying and tried swinging in with, like, one of their uh, vehicles. I was like, no, get out of here. Yeah. But yeah, I had I had double impeccable timing, double revoke privileges, and, and a malfunction. That's pretty so impeccable. Impeccable timing is the three damage to target creature attacking or blocking creature, revoke privileges, basically just says it can't attack, block, or crew, and malfunction taps down an artifact. I was putting malfunction on so many vehicles this weekend. Remember that malfunction can also hit creatures, which led to the flavor fail during the pre-pre-release of someone's whale having a malfunction. Yeah. No, so it hits artifacts or creatures, and yeah. it's really good. It's really good if they slam down like their like their bomb vehicle, and you're just like, sorry. I got the, your 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 skyship had a malfunction. I'm sorry. Yep. I also mainboarded fragmentized like that card. Not bad. No, uh, I played three white decks for all my three pre-releases, and I main decked a fragmentized whenever I could. Yeah, it's a one. It's the white sorcery. One white mana. So it's just a one mana cost card. Destroy target artifact or enchantment with converted cost four or less. So, and then my bomb. Well, my bombs. I guess you can call it was Dovin Bond. <laughs> I oh. opened. I opened the planeswalker. I didn't want to open. Um, but and he was good, yes? Oh my god, dude. Let me tell you about my boy Dovin Bond. <laughs> Let me tell you about my boy Dovin Bond because... Went to the club, we, we, got some, we got some Chardonnay. I never actually static orbed anybody with him, which is his minus seven. Your opponents can't untap more than two permanents during their untap step. But the threat of activation on him, I got him up to nine at one point. Jeez. Well, I was locking down when it, I forget the card. It's the blue one that you can pay energy into it, and it can like tap creatures down. Oh, the Janjit Sentry. Yeah, I was I was just locking down his Janjit Sentry with it. I'm like, ooh, nice try, because if I hadn't, he would have been able to like tap down a couple of my blockers and stuff. So that's always important. It was good, and Sahili's Artistry was fun. Oh, I'm sure that card was as silly as it as it was as it read. <laughs> so I used Artistry to copy my Wisp Weaver Angel at one point to. Blink a high tide hermit. Nice. So I got a lot of things, and then I copied my opponent's. Uh, oh, what was it? You have it on, in the notes. Yeah, the renegade. renegade, renegade yeah, the renegade fair, which is a three mana artifact vehicle. That's a three four when it's crewed for th- two. Four three crew two. And yeah, and when it attacks, it gets plus one plus one trample. So it attacks as a five four trampler. I was crewing that one up with my chief of the foundry, <laughs> so it was yeah. a six five trampler. <laughs> yeah and i swung for 20 like nice. i i did i did the artistry and then i'm like next turn crew it up swing 20 and my opponent's like block take nine and then he he did it to the plus one plus oh lifelink spells to gain four life just to live another turn yeah that'll do but no it was good i had a whirler maker in there too which sure is really good with your uh chief of the foundry it was great with Chief of the Foundry. Um, I actually didn't have Chief of the Foundry in there initially. A mistake. My first game I didn't put in there on a sideboard and it stayed in my deck the rest of the, the day. But the amount of, of instant speed like tricks that I had in the deck and stuff like that. Like I also had a counterspell in there, the Revolutionary Rebuff. Not a great spell. I probably wouldn't have included it in there if I did build it again. But I could hold up something and then just tap it down, make a creature, a chumper, or whatever like that. It did all right. I actually won a game with like seven thopters. <laughs> Nice, or not nice. seven. Yeah, they're just like swing seven. Um, Happens. It, it wasn't a bad deck. Uh, I included a Gear Seeker Serpent towards the end uh, because I didn't. I found I didn't have a way to punch through some lethal damage. Uh, it's the five blue blue gets cheaper for every artifact you control. Um, 
I forget the power type. It's like five it's six. A five six and five six. Five and a blue. It's unblockable. Yeah. So like that's what ended up winning me a couple games is I just be able to get a couple thopters, hit pay six mana into it and win. So yeah. overall, it wasn't a bad deck. I enjoyed it. Um, I would sideboard in a belt to last sometimes, which is the one mana plus two plus two instant trick. And if it's an artifact creature, it gains indestructibility until end of turn. Um, I used that on my electrostatic polymer time to help boost it to a three three and then make it a six six and then a nine nine at one point. That was kind of fun. Um, I also had a proctor pillar bug in the main deck yeah. and a glimmer of genius for it wasn't amazing, but I needed some lifelink just in case. Um, I got behind. And, and Glimmer Genius, yeah, my creature base was not great. So if I'm like, like, I had to include something like a Proctor Pillar Bug just to have a thing. And my last card was a Glimmer Genius in there. So it's kind of a slow card. I boarded it out a lot for either the Build to Last or the Make Obsolete. Now, Make Obsolete, which is the two black instant creatures your, creatures your opponents control, get minus one, minus one until end of turn, is insane. I blew somebody out. Got like I said, like I mentioned with the propeller pioneer, I had an opponent play two of those, just make the servos. We had a ground stall. I had my own propeller pioneer, so he wasn't going to tack into it. They didn't want to trade or anything like that, and they played in um, the O one, um, the black aetherborn. Oh, the weapon craft enthusiast. Yes, the one that makes two servos. It's an O one, makes two servos. They made two servos with that. Then I just went make obsolete, kill seven creatures. That's pretty good for three mana. Well, it's good value. <laughs> but the only reason why I did that in game two is because actually it was game three, because in game one, my opponent showed the propensity to just make the servo without like even thinking about it. Yeah. Like he just completely disregarded the counterpart of fabricate. And they were like, all right, he's just going to keep making servos. And he kept making it in games one and two. So I'm like, all right, cool. If I get this, I'm just going to blow him out. And it did. Well, I think that a lot of the, like everything that I've seen or saw before the pre-release basically was like, look, we're going to default that you should make the servos. Like, Limited Resources said it, a bunch of the articles that I read on other websites said it, and I think that it's closer to 50-50 than most people are giving cre- giving it credit for. Oh, yeah, and like I said, like I actually made a servo or two off of that Propeller Pioneer, but more often than not, I needed a flying blocker with three toughness, or three power. Yeah, I think it's heavily context-dependent on your what your deck is trying to do mm-hmm. and, what your, and what the board state looks like. Oh, yeah, because my deck could lock down the board with, like, the Aether Theory is a 1-3. I had the Chief of the Founding, which had 3 Toughness. Pillar Bug, 3 Toughness. P-Fowl, 4 Toughness. High Tide Hermit, Hermit, 4 Toughness. I just needed stuff in the air that could block yeah. and trade. So uh, it, it worked pretty well. Dovin Bond, really good. I got down to 10 life with him. That was a game where I just got him up to, like, 9, and then I just started minusing one to draw a card and ended up with one card left in my library when I won. It's a good feeling to have, isn't it? Uh, it's these um overall like i i I enjoyed the set um i played against a couple aggro decks um uh the guy who actually ran into some loading ready run fans there uh recognized him because the hoodie they were wearing i was wearing my loading ready run hoodie as well started chatting with them he's someone i know from the chat and like he was like yeah i don't really do well pre-release and stuff he went 5-0-1 and his his draw was like off of uh intentionally drawing the finals to split the packs not bad not only that, but he pulled a foil pack, a pack foil Chandra. Nice. <laughs> I was like, nice, nice, nice work, dude. And I also found out that he, like, we were talking and I mentioned something about Canadian Highlander. I was like, oh, yeah, I have a Canadian Highlander too. I didn't bring it because I didn't think anybody else would. And then someone behind me was like, did you say Highlander? 
And I'm like, yeah. He's like, Canadian Highlander. I'm like, yeah. He's like, I didn't bring my deck either. So we all started chatting. We would hang out between rounds and chat with each other. And we might actually be able to start up. Like, we're going to we'll exchange numbers and be like, hey, let's try, see if we can start up a Highlander at this one store I went down. It's, it's a store I haven't been to before. And it was really nice. Um, the owner recognized the fact that it was my first time there. Like, she didn't recognize me. Uh, so she, every, throughout the rounds, you know, it's Gabby's Olympia Games and Cards, whatever, I think, I think that's the name of the place. Um, she would constantly, if she saw me between rounds, she'd be like, hey, how are you doing? Things going good? Are you enjoying yourself? Having a good time? And I was like, that's the kind of owner of a store that I want to see. Like, one that recognizes somebody's like, I don't recognize you as one of my regulars. And if you see them throughout the day, like, ask them how they're doing, if anything can be done to make it better. Like, big props to that. Thumbs up for so. great local game store owner. oh yeah and what was cool was we also like some people showed up to cosplay uh just to play in the two-headed giant release we had a chandra and a jace with fashion sense it was basically just like hipster jace <laughs> but look i no, i asked them specifically i'm like, like i know you're jace like you know i'm jace with, with if, he, if he had fashion sense and i'm like nice <laughs> nice burn i love it uh, follow me on twitter which twitter address later on um i actually posted pictures of my deck and the cosplayers they did a good job it was on their cos- costumes as well so excellent overall had fun um the format seems really interesting um like i said fragmentized definitely is a card you should play i agree i don't think it's a high draft i don't think it's a high draft pick but if you're in white and you see one like middle of a pack pick one up I, yeah, I definitely see that. Like, if, if a fragmentized wheels, that should be a pretty big sign. Oh, yeah. If you can wheel a fragmentized, pick it. Just, Easily. Just, I mean, if you're in white. Easily. Because, yeah, I mean, granted, the bat, the feel bad is when your opponent plays a five-mana artifact, and you're like, yeah. Also remember but, oh, that it hits enchantments. Don't forget that part. Oh, my God. What was the, um, what's the one-mana white enchantment? Uh, something of the console. Oh, console's authority? Or authority of the consoles? Authority of the consoles. I had that played against me turn one twice. Now, it's a one-mana thing that... Uh, one-mana enchantment. All creatures your opponent controls enters the battlefield tapped. And yep. whenever and whenever I think it's a creature enters the battlefield under your opponent's control, you gain one life. That card's going to be miserable to play against. It's... Like, if there's a white base control deck in standard, it's going to play four of those cards because it's stupid. It's like... I was going to lose the game if I didn't top deck my fragmentize like, that turn top deck that blew my opponent out and i just from that point on like he was ahead i drew my fragmentized destroyed that and then i want ended up just taking over after that because he this deck was relying on that to stall until he could get into his stuff nice nice nice. so that's what i had um yeah three three one and two um i went to turns four of six rounds (laughs) namely be i wouldn't necessarily say it, it was because of deck but it was because of board stalls like the board stalls can get massive in this if you have a fast aggro deck and you can't kill your opponent by turn six you're probably should settle in for the long haul yeah this set is definitely showing how important like menace and flying and trample are in limited especially in this set evasion is going to be key when you're building decks um having tricks that can take care of stuff in combat is going to be huge too. Knowing what tricks could be coming as well. Remember, like I said, tidy conclusion is a five mana instant kill spell. So yep. just Anyways. beware if they're holding up black, black and five. So how about you, John? You played a couple. Yeah, I played in three pre-releases. Um, the, my midnight one, I played uh, green, white control. Um, now you normally don't hear green, white control a lot. 
but you do play green white control when your when five or four when four of your rares are your promo wildest dreams, which by the way is green XX sorcery, return X cards from your graveyard to your hand, exile wildest dreams, a regular wildest dream, so two of those, a pack foil fumigate, and a cataclysmic gear hulk. Yeah, boy. That's not counting the fact that I was also running another rare in my pool, which was animation module. Um, and I also had the fabrication module, but I didn't have the middle one, the, the decoction module, in my pool. So unfortunately, I did not assemble that combo. But I had a very, very fun green-white deck. And the goal of my deck was to control the game until I can get to enough mana where my wildest dreams just overwhelm you. And being able to cast Fabricate multiple times, or not Fabricate, Fumigate multiple times, or Cataclysmic Gearhulk multiple times, just can end games on the spot. Because you can and, get back your Fumigate with Wildest Dreams, right? Yes, because uh, Wildest yeah, Dreams cards. says card, not permanent like Nissa does. Now, my deck had two of, of our um, second pickish Wild Wanderers. And so I actually, in game one, I had no forests in hand in all planes, despite having... I think my split was 10-7 in favor of forests. E. Um, no, 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 yeah, yeah, it was 10-7 in favor of forests. I then proceeded on turn 6 to draw my forest, then play Wild Wanderer, then get, my other, then get another forest, then draw my other Wild Wanderer, then play it, grab more forests, and then just crawl myself back into that game. And then, let me tell you, Fumigate, casting Fumigate and gaining like 6-7 to seven life is really, is really, really good. Board and wipe Cassie Cataclysmic Gear Hulk is really, really good, too. Um, board wipe and, then, and reset a lot of damage. Ugh. Yeah. Now, the funniest thing is that I had Animation Module. And with all the mana I was making, Animation Module was actually super relevant. For those who don't remember, it's a single mana for a rare. It's a single generic mana. And then whenever a plus one plus one counter is placed on one or more permanents you control, or I think it's one or more plus one plus one counters placed on a permanent you control, Yeah. you can pay one, and if you do, you make a 1-1 one, one servo. And then for three mana in tap, you can add a counter to a permanent or player that you and you just add the counter to it. So whenever I had animation module, all my fabricate creatures basically said, you know, you put the counters on this and you pay an extra to make a servo. So I was actually getting the best of both worlds when it came to the fabricate creatures. Oh, so that's is, a situation where you're just like, I'm going to slam play. Yeah. For example, slam. I had the elegant edge crafters, which are four green green for a three, four elf artificer. Oh, no, I'm sorry. The actual pronunciation is artificer. I looked it up. Also, I looked it up because of Evan Irwin's set reviews. Uh, it's Nerd! <laughs> Elegant Edgecrafters can't be blocked by creatures with power 2 or less, Fabricate 2. So I play. So with the animation module, I play this as a 7-mana 5-6 with a 1-1 one, one that comes along. Yeah. And then I can pay 3-mana to put another counter on it to make another 1-1. One, one. And so my ways of, in, of ending the games were Elegant, Elegant Edgecrafters, my 1-of Propeller Pioneer, um, and then I also had a card that I never drew, which was Riparian Tiger, which is the the five mana four four trample that you can pay two energy to give it plus two plus two when it attacks. Jeez. Um, and I went three one overall. I went three zero, then I lost my last round because of mana screw. Mm. Um, as as you do. Um, like you do. Like you do. But the the cards that really kind of pushed me over the top on this deck were one the um, High Spire Artisans, which was a card I didn't think that I would like. Uh, for those who don't remember, the High Spire Artisan is two and a green for an O3 Elf Artificer with Reach and Fabricate One. And you know there was times where I needed the I needed the four the four toughness body to block like Flying Propeller Pioneers. There were times I needed the one power to block Thopter Thopter tokens in the air. 
Um, and that one was an interesting card to kind of maneuver between. And then the other card that really made my deck was the Woodweaver's Puzzle Knot. And it's the green Puzzle Knot. It's two generic mana for an artifact. When it enters the battlefield, you gain three life and get three energy. Then for two and a green and sack it, you gain three life and get three energy. Um, in this control deck, which did not have a good early game, like I had two other two drops, which were every air mechanic and long tusk cub, I needed to get to the late game, and the Woodweaver's Puzzle Knot definitely helped me get there. Yeah, I mean, six life for a couple mana. Yeah. And did you have any way to utilize that energy? Uh, I mean, I had the, the aforementioned Long Tusk Cub and the Riparian Tiger. Uh, I also had a Thriving Rhino in the deck. So I didn't nice. have a ton of uses of it, but I had enough where it was definitely going to be worthwhile. Oh, yeah. So like when you did get that energy use creature out, you could just be like, dump it in. Yeah. I also had the Fabrication Module, which you can pay four mana to get an energy, and then whenever you get an energy, you can put a counter on a thing. So I had I had some ways, but this was not an energy deck. No. Um, now, I had two other pre-releases, which kind of all ended up in the same vein, because they were both red-white. Um, <laughs> they Both both pools had Depala. Both pools had Veteran Motorist. Those are the cards you want if you're in that deck. My god. Both pools also had Renegade Freighters, which is probably the best common vehicle. Oh, by far. Um, uh, some would say Ar- Argy Skyskiff, but I think the no, Freighter just... No, fi- some people like their flyers. I would. I agree with you. Renegade Freighter is great. Ardar uh, Kenji, Express. Sorry, bro. Yeah. Kenji actually tweeted out that he said that uh, Renegade Freighter was an absurd card at common, and I agree with him. Um, it, it's very pushed. Yeah. People. Uh, people and, have actually been speaking like kind of tilling back into the pauper yeah. earlier. People have actually been like toying with that in some decks. Yeah. It's it's a silly card. Mm-hmm. Um. In the first deck, my promo was Smuggler's Copter, which nice. is the two mana three three vehicle. Uh, Cruise for one and has flying. And when it, excuse me, and when it attacks, you loot. <laughs> people have been calling it the looter scooter, <laughs> which is great. It, it can also loot when blocks, which I don't think a lot of people realize. Um, and that card is also silly and silly, silly good. Um, Ten dollars now. Yeah, I mean I have a promo one now, which is nice. And then the other, and then my promo and the other one was Dovin Bond. Uh, he's in the cube now, but I couldn't play. Uh, I couldn't play Dovin in that sealed pool because my blue was literally, literally garbage. Um, and I had, but I had Dovin Dovin Bond and Cloud Blazer, and I was just like, oh, Blake Rasmussen is going to be so upset with me now. <sighs> but um, Depala was in there. Depala was in that deck as well. I also had Pia Nalar in that deck, and it that deck also ran like a dream. The only reason I lost, I only lost one match in that one, and the only reason I lost it was against my friend, who was playing red-white, uh, splashing blue for Sahili, mm. and shrewd negotiations. Because in game three, I go, uh, or he was on the play, I go, like, you know, turn four renegade freighter. He goes, turn five, off of a prophetic prism, shrewd negotiations, trade my prism for your freighter. It was, Gross. It was, it was, it was really, really disgusting. So, John, you mentioned her a couple times. What, what does Depala do? Oh, Depala, sure. She is one red-white for a legendary dwarf pilot at rare. She's a 3-3. Your other dwarves get plus one, plus one, which is definitely relevant for me because also the friend I was playing against also had Depala, and he also had um, Aerial Responder, hmm. which is the one white-white 2-3 uh, Flying Vigilance lifelink. Yeah. And your Impeccable Timings can't kill that card? Nope. Uh, Depala also gives your vehicles pl- your plus one, plus one as long as they're creatures. And then whenever she becomes tapped, you can pay X 
and you flip over the top X cards of your library, you put all dwarves or vehicles into your hand, and the rest go on the bottom in a random order. Yeah, so she's pretty good at, like, a lot of the red-white cards that you want in those kind of decks are going to be either vehicles or dwarves. Yeah, and then also Veteran Motorist, who I mentioned earlier, he's a red-white for a 3-1 dwarf pilot at Uncommon. When he enters the battlefield, he scries 2, and then whenever he crews a vehicle, that vehicle gets plus 1, plus 1. <laughs> Um, the fact that it scries two is really relevant. If it just read red, white, three, one, scry two, sure, get in my deck. Yeah, like I would play that in every single red, white, aggressive deck that I could play in every format. If I could just like say, hey, could Wizards, could you just give me this card? Like you can just remove that last piece of text and put like any flavor text or trinket text you want. Just give me a three, one, red, white that scries two on ETB every set and I'll be happy. Oh, yeah, it's just super bonus for that well, kind yeah. of thing, which is great. It was is really, really fun card. Um, and I think that um, red-white is definitely real. It, it's probably more real in draft than it was in sealed for me because, again, sealed, you have to build what you have, and you can't, like, say, man, I could really use another Welding Sparks, or, man, you know what I could really use? I could just use another, like, just effect of this, of blah, or whatever. You don't yeah. know, you can't usually get those kind of, you know, wish lists done in sealed. But I'm pretty happy with the decks that I built in sealed, um, I know that I had some, maybe some suboptimal sub choices, but, you know, it, we do what we can. Oh, I just want to say something. So one of my opponents that I was playing against uh, was in red and played a Furious Reprisal against me a couple times. Uh, and Furious it was Reprisal, which one is that again? It's the three and a red sorcery. Furious Reprisal deals two damage to each of two target creatures and or players. Right, it's a sorcery. So you can target a creature and the player. Right. My, my opponent kept picking two creatures that wouldn't die <laughs> he played it once and he was like target this one target this one I'm like they don't die he's like oh okay i was like all right remember it can tar- go to the face yep, he did that like he did that two other times too and i i told him after the, the round was over i was like furious reprisal can go to the face he was like what oh because this guy told me that he hadn't played in 19 years this was his first mm-hmm. round of magic in 19 years or his first Jeez. day of magic i was like Oh, honey. <laughs> learn to read the cards, kids. No. Yeah, just or not even learn to read it. Just make sure you know what your card where your cards can do damage to. Yes, that is that is the most important part. Make sure you, that you know what your cards do and how how you can use them to your advantage. Because like, I can understand where it's like you know attack my two one ones into your ease, fear or surprise will both of them at the after you block. But that I would understand. Yeah, it's uh. I was I felt bad for him, but no, it's a uh, so overall I like I really enjoy the set like so far. I just I know it's one bout of sealed, but I, I don't know about you, but I, th- I think it looks like it's going to be a fun format. I think this format is going to be a lot of fun as well. I'm really excited to play with it more and try and kind of really get my hands into it and try to really figure out you know how the sausage is made um, in the format because it's. Sealed had a lot of board stalls because servos made up a lot of the thi- a lot of the board states, and you know one ones are hard to get through without evasion, like you were mentioning. How you wanted your three power po- uh, propeller pioneers? Yeah, like that's one thing to definitely be aware of is you're going to get some board stalls. Um, yeah. Be prepared, pack some cyborg hate for board wipes. I mean, hate in the sense of board wipes. So like I said, make obsolete is really good for wrecking combat damage on your opponent. Like, you can just swing in and be like, your opponent be like, I'm going to block. I'm going to block here. I'm going to block here. I'm going to block here. And like, and they get minus one, minus one. And all your blocks become suboptimal. Yeah. And that kind of beating 
can definitely open up a board. Also, if like we, we mentioned, evasion is going to be evasion's big anyway, but even more so with the sheer amount of ground clog that happens in the set now. Yeah, I, I do. I would not underestimate the amount of just ground creatures that are going to slow you down and prevent you from attacking. It's just going to be a problem that you're going to need to know how to do. And of course, your regular magic stuff plays into plays into account here as well. Know when to use your removal. Know what you need to use your removal on. If you see a bunch of things you need to kill in a certain in a certain way, side in your fragmentizes, your appetites for the unnatural, your demolishes if need be. Yeah, I had more than one occasion where I was a little overzealous in using a malfunction on a creature. Like I malfunctioned a mom, like a piano heart at one point. I don't know why. Yeah. It was later in the day and I was already kind of worn out and I malfunctioned that. And then next turn he played something that I really wish I had malfunctioned instead. And I was like, I could have sat back with a 2-2 and been just fine. Because I had boards, I had a, I had a chief of the foundry out that was, would have held it back. And then I was, I had a, no, it was a Ducar Pfeil that held it back. No, no, chief of the foundry because I played my chief. She played, he played Pira, Pia and I malfunctioned it. So yeah, I would have been able to hold it back with my chief of the foundry and, been fine but womp womp. Um, yeah, also a a psa for those of you who are going to be playing in um, professional level tournaments in limited um remember that or any tournaments in general remember that when you ask a question of a judge they have to answer literally so uh, for example i had someone ask me can my opponent respond to my chandra activation with their deadlock trap I remember deadlock trap is a three mana artifact that when it comes into play you get two energy you could tap it and spend an energy to tap a creature or a planeswalker, and that permanent's activated abilities can't be activated. Now, if you're if you're res- now you can in fact respond to a planeswalker ability with the deadlock trap, but the deadlock trap will not stop the ability from resolving. If you want to deadlock trap a yeah, planeswalker, the, do it on upkeep. Yes, because they have priority in their main step, main phase, and because because you can say yeah, you can activate your deadlock trap. They'll activate the deadlock trap, but the ability is already on the stack. Yeah. And, we'll re- and we'll resolve. So like, you have to lock it down before it can put that ability on the stack. Yeah, just a PSA for everybody so that nobody gets blown out by that or confused in any way. Um, there are a lot of other tricky things that happen in the format, like Panharmonicon. Um, oh. I did, luckily did not have to play against Panharmonicon. Um, I did. Panharmonicon makes a copy of the ability, so if your opponent plays a Fabricate creature, they can choose counters or servos for both or either. My, um, my my opponent was blue red energy. They had that uh the one guy that you can just pay eight and dome you for six. Ouch. Uh, Aether Torch Renegade. So he had Panharmonicon down, and then Aether Torch Renegade the two th- a two and a red one two. When it enters the battlefield, you get four, four energy. Yeah. Then you get you got eight. pay two energy to ping a creature or pay eight and just lava axe plus an opponent. Yeah, he had. I think the most energy he had at any point during those games was 13. I'm, I'm, I'm talking like in a pool, collectively, yeah. 13. And he totally, I think one game made like 20, 20 plus energy. Like, it was gross. Speaking and of he energy, domed me out. Um, like he, go for it. Oh, he, he just domed me out with like that. Speaking of energy, hats off to the player. I forget exactly where you were in the world, but Blake shared you guys on the daily magic update when oh, somebody yeah. made 39 energy. That's gross. Like also, I made 12. Also, it's cool. I had like, I think I had like nine at one point, nine or 10, mm. I think for mine just blinking and all those other effects. Uh, also, <laughs> I didn't see any this week 
at the store, but uh, these masterpieces are pretty funny because somebody tweeted Marshall uh, about a fun Chandra play they had. So they had Chandra and a soul ring. Yeah. So they went turn one mountain soul ring, turn two mountain soul ring Chandra, <laughs> or tap, tap the soul ring to Chandra. On yeah, two. that's pretty silly. Uh, I actually opened a expedi- or a masterpiece. I opened a a sort of light and shadow in my oh, prize po- in my prize packs. Nice, getting that um, cube, son. I don't actually have the swords in my cube. That's for that'll be a discussion for another day. Put it in. But uh, in my last pre-release that I played, in one of my friends, Levante, he actually opened a soul ring. Oh, the was, the person who opens a soul ring at a professional level event is going to just wreck face if they can draw totally it. This would be totally against the rules. Of the Pro Tour, but I would love for the for the people who are running the draft for the Pro Tour, whoever's running the feature match, whoever, whoever's running the feature draft, like they have to know which packs have masterpieces in them. They just have to know. If they open a soul ring, put that person as the feature drafter. Oh just yeah, do just do it. Like it's totally collusion of some sort. It's totally just kind of like just a sick read. Even if not just, like, even if not like the main feature drafter, just have them as like the secondary, like not live. Yeah, like the the while we're deck building, let's watch this draft. Yeah, it's just I just want to see it happen at the pro tour. I just want to see somebody at the pro tour open a soul ring and just kind of you know nonchalantly go eh and put a face down in front of them. <sighs> just be like the like the the the, the pump fa- the pump of uh, like show it to the, the guy the noter behind them. It's like yeah, boop, put down yeah. next pack. Yeah. Uh, also. Um, High fives for no longer having sleeved cards at pr- at premier level events. Yay! In the drafts, because we don't have double face cards anymore. I, I can't imagine how annoying that must have been to like have to unsleeve and then resleeve some card. Yeah, probably miserable. Just, but um, I didn't see it played, but I heard stories of like Virtuous Gear Hulk, the green one, just being ridiculous. Yeah, that card is absurd. I, I, got, I have I can confirm some of those stories. I've I've heard firsthand accounts. I had an opponent play Torrential Gear Hulk against me in two games, and both times they got zero value out of it. Womp womp. They just flashed it in as a big. They just flashed it in as a big blocker, Sometimes and then one tried to, mean. and then one tried to block like a flying creature. I'm like, it just says flash, man. There's no, there's no reach. <laughs> Sometimes you gotta do what you gotta do. <laughs> I think that's like the biggest flavor fail on them is these these giant, massive, hulking creatures, and you see the scale birds on them in the artwork, and it doesn't have reach. Don't worry about it. It'll be fine. I just They'll fix it in post. I just think it's the funniest thing that, like, like the for instance, the Virtuous Gear Hulk. It's like, its chest is like at level of some of the birds in the artwork, and it doesn't have reach. It's just, it's just yeah. It's I don't know. I I crack up about it because it's just like oh man. Yeah, it's silly. Anyways, I think. Do you have, that's anything, gonna... else? Do you have anything else fun uh, that you noticed at the pre-releases or you heard from friends and stuff? No, I mean. I heard that the 19 creature three color deck isn't good. <laughs> e. It also loses a fumigate. Sorry, that's Doug. <laughs> Anyways, um, that's going to do it for us. We're nearing, we are right now at our limit. Um, Ian, if you wanted to find you on social media, where could they do that? You guys can find me on Twitter at Twitter at Dixon IJ. It's D I X O N I J. And you can find me on Twitch around various channels. Uh, we're working kind of busy. I haven't even really actually been in streams chats lately but i will be again soon work's getting a little less crazy thankfully uh so i'll be doing that hopefully streaming soon uh, especially with eight uh, with kaladesh wow, I, was eight, I was about to say eight or well, kaladesh coming back. out uh, on magic online yeah 
So step away from the uh, once that happens, oh, yeah, I know. But uh, I will definitely be drafting some of that, especially with draft leagues out. Um, should be fun times. So, John, where can they find you? You guys can find me on Twitter at jwiley129. That is J-W-I-L-E-Y-129. I'm also on Twitch by the same handle, and there's, if stream happens, it'll happen. Um, <laughs> if you want to reach the podcast directly on Twitter, you can do so at eyesonthemise, or if you want to email us, send us an email at eyesonthemise at gmail.com. Please remember to leave us a review or give us feedback on Twitter and the various social medias. We love to hear your feedback and how we can help make this podcast better for all of you. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, and we'll talk to you next time.